Well, saints of God, good evening, everyone. I want to thank you all for joining me tonight. It's such a blessing to be with you all this evening. And I just want to welcome you all and thank you all for joining me tonight for another Torah study. And I'd like to open up with a Torah prayer. And this is a prayer that's customarily prayed before a Torah study. And we'll go ahead and we'll go ahead and get started here. Baruch Ata Adonai, Eloheinu Melek Haolam, Asher Kideshanu Bemitzvotav, Betzivanu La Asok Bedivre Torah. In English, Blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with thy commandments and commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. Heavenly Father, tonight, I just ask you, Lord God, that you'll just take over this service tonight. And Father God, I pray that everyone on this line, everyone that's watching tonight, everyone that's listening tonight, that, Lord, they will be transformed by reason of the anointing this evening, Lord God. And Lord, I just pray for a mighty move of your spirit, Lord God. Lord God, I just ask that you move with healing in your wings. And we just praise you, Heavenly Father. We glorify you. We worship you. We honor you tonight. I'm just so grateful for all the saints that have joined the line tonight. And Lord God, I just pray that you arise with healing in your wings, that you arise with deliverance, that your, that your power will be, will be made so manifest and so tangible in the lives of your people this evening. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And Father God, I pray for healing for those that are battling cancers, Lord God. I pray for those that are going into surgery tomorrow, Father God. Lord, I pray for all those that are battling coronavirus, Lord God. And Lord, I pray for especially for those that, that are struggling with fear. And that, Lord, I just pray, Father God, that the spirit of fear will be broken off of the lives of your people, Lord God. And I just thank you, Lord God, that tonight you're going to take your people on a journey the same way you took Abraham on a journey that you are taking your people tonight, Father God, on a journey to their leklekha, that you are going to cause your people to go to their true selves. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. And saints of God, once again, I want to thank you all for joining me tonight. It's just such an honor to share God's word with you. And tonight we are actually in week three in our series in the book of Genesis. And every week what I will be doing is taking you through a parsha in God's word. So it, the way we as Christians have divided the Bible is by books, then further by chapters, and then by verses. And those chapter and verse references are really just identifiers for us to easily find a scripture in God's word. And it's a beautiful way of, of uh, referring to scriptures. The rabbis have done something a little different and the way they divided, the way they divide the first five books of the Bible is by what we call Parsha. So every time a, a new theme is introduced in God's word, the name of the Parsha changes. The word Parsha in English means portion, and the plural for Parsha is Parshiot. And so tonight we are in the third Parsha in the book of Genesis, and the name of this Parsha is Parsha Lek Leka. Can you say it with me? Parsha Lek Leka. And so tonight, we are going to go through not all of Parsha Leklecha, but we're just going to go through the very first portion of it. And Leklecha is spelled, it's two words, L-E-C-H space L-E-C-H-A. Parsha Leklecha is what we're studying tonight. And that this Torah portion consists of Genesis chapter 12, verses 1, all the way through chapter 17, verse 27. So Leklecha 
lek lekha means go to yourself, and it can also be translated as go for yourself. And if you're watching live on Facebook Live tonight, you can see the comments being posted by Sister Jamila, and she uh, put the spelling up on the screen for Parsha Lek Leha, or the portion of Go to Yourself, from Genesis 12 through chapter 17, verse 27. And now let's read Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 together, and I'm going to use the translation from Chabad.org, and it reads, And the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your land, and from your birthplace, and from your father's house, to the land I will show you. Again, I want to read this again because this really sets the theme for the entire, for the entire teaching tonight. And actually, it sets the theme for the entire Torah portion. Because every single word, every single verse, every single chapter in this Torah portion ties back to verse 1 of chapter 12. And it reads, And the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your land, and from your birthplace, and from your father's house, to the land that I will show you. And so what the Lord does here, the Lord leads Abraham, and actually at, he asks Abraham, he tells Abraham to perform three things, three levels of departure. The first level of departure is to go from your land. The second level of departure is from your birthplace. And the third level of departure is from your father's house. And if Abraham abides by these three commandments, then he, he, he will receive a promise. And that promise is that he will come to a land that God will show him. Amen. And so the journey that it, God calls Abraham on is the journey of Lech Lecha. And it's the journey of going to yourself. It's a journey of going to your true self. And God called Abraham from his finite self to a self that only God could reveal to him. Now, this ties back to Genesis where God says, let us make man in our image. And that image is, the way Rashi describes it is, if you take a coin and upon a coin, a picture or a denomination or a amount is imprinted upon that copper coin. And likewise, when God said, when the scripture says, let us make man in our image, what is taking place is God is imprinting his image upon each and every one of us. Amen. God is imprinting himself upon us. And God wants us to walk in our true selves, in our true image, not by what those, not by what others say about us, not by the negativity, or the curses um, pronounced upon uh, others. But what God is doing is God is pronouncing his blessing upon us. And God wants us to walk in the full potency of, of his high calling upon our lives. Amen. So don't, don't limit yourselves to what others have said about you. You know, it could be a family member, a friend, a church member. D don't see yourself the way, it, it, don't see yourself any less than the way God describes you. Amen. Because you are beautifully and wonderfully made and you are created in God's image and God's image is imprinted upon your souls. Amen. So that's what I want you to realize tonight because when we go through God's word and especially as we go through each Parsha, what we are going to experience is just an elevation going to take place. And as we, we began just a couple weeks ago and we're going to continue all the way through next year, my prayer is that we're going to go higher and higher and higher in every area of our, in every area of life. Amen. And that includes emotionally, 
It includes, includes spiritually, includes our destiny, our careers, and our families. That in every area of life, we're going to be, we're going to go from glory to glory. Amen. So in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, we see three, the first three of Abraham's test. And before, Ab you know, uh, and I'll use the name Abraham, and you'll see Abraham, Abraham used, used initially in this Torah portion, and then later on, God's going to add the Hebrew letter hey, H-E-I is how he spell it, the letter hey to his name, and he will be called Abraham, and Sarah will be called Sarah. But right now, they are called Abram and Sarah. And so the three levels of departure are from your land. And as we see in Genesis 12, 1, and the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your land. The land is not a physical land. God is not calling you. God may not be calling you to leave the land that you're in physically. But the land that's being described here speaks about the will. And the Hebrew word for will is ratzon. And God is leading you away from your own will. So you, you may have plans for your life. You may have wonderful plans for your life. And they may be wonderful plans. But you know what? They may not be God's plans. And what we, should, we ought to strive for in life is to submit our will entirely to God. And we submit to his perfect will. You remember what Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane? And he prayed to the Father. And he, and he, prayed, he, took, he prayed to the Father, if it... If it be your will, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but thy will be done. And Jesus completely died to his own will and submitted to the Heavenly Father's will. And what God is calling each and every one of us to do is to die to our own will, submit to his will. And because I'm telling you, what, what God has in store for each and every one of you is much greater than anything you could have planned for your own life and you know we can direct a, we, you know we can do whatever we want to do but ultimately divine providence god himself is going to direct you into your destiny amen and i would much rather walk in the plans that god has for me than the plans i have for myself because what god sees in each and every one of you is much greater than what you see for yourself amen so i want you to allow god to take you from glory to glory to glory amen so the first level of departure is from your land, which is related to your will. The second level of departure that we see in Genesis 12, 1 is from your birthplace. And the birthplace is not just a journey away from wherever you were born. In my case, I was born in Manchester, England. So it's not just the physical departure from a physical place, which it could be. But more so, it refers to a journey away from our emotional and behavioral selves. Now, what that relates to is, you know, every one of us has different dispositions in the way we were raised, the way we grew up. Uh, they may be negative character things in our, in our lives, positive things, things that we picked up from family members, from relatives, from friends, from neighbors, just from folks that we surrounded ourselves, and some of it's just in our DNA. But there, there, are, there are dispositions that we may have that are not pleasing to God. For example, you know, there may be someone that has a disposition towards being selfish, to being greedy, uh, to, 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 you know, just various character flaws. And, the key, and what the Torah helps us to do is to recognize those character flaws and allow God to refine our character and to make our character more into God's image. Amen. God may be calling you to be more loving. 
to be kinder, to have more strength, to, to walk in truth. Every one of us has different areas that we need to work on. And if you, if, you, if you have a perfect character and you have nothing to work on, please post your name on the, uh, in the chat here so I can call you after the service tonight. Because I, and as long as, along with everybody else, we would like to know your secret. But, you know, that's not the case. Every one of us has various dispositions, negative character, things that we need to work on. And we should allow God to mold us into his image. Amen? So that's our leaving the birthplace. Leaving your birthplace is leaving that emotional and behavioral baggage behind. We don't want to carry this into the new year. And thirdly, the third place that you leave is your father's house. And the father's house is a reference to your intellect. And even in the way that we think, the way we process them, uh, we, need to, we need to submit our ways, uh, submit to God completely. As we see in Romans chapter 12, to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. And that is our reasonable service. So we leave our land, which is our will. We leave our birthplace, which is our emotions and behavior. And thirdly, we leave our father's house, which is our intellect. And that, and that really means that we don't stop using the three. It just means that we submit our will, our emotions, our behaviors, and our intellect completely to God and allow God to have his way. And so Lech Leha is the theme of this entire Parsha. This entire Torah portion from Genesis 12 through Genesis 17 is all about going to yourself. And it also means to go for yourself. And the reason why it's also called to go for yourself is because what God wants us to, everything that God tells us to do is not to punish us. It's to bring us into, it's for our benefit. And that's why the Parsha is also called to go for yourself. And the reason why God places tests before us and Abraham went through 10 tests, each of these tests are designed to perfect God's image in you. Amen. And in Parsha Lekleha, I believe Lekleha is the theme of Abraham's life. And the very first test that he goes through is Lekleha, going to himself. And the very last test that he goes through in the Akita, in the sacrifice of Isaac, those verses also begin with go to yourself, to go for yourself. And that, I believe, is Abraham's life theme, is to go for himself, to go to himself. And the question I want to ask you is, the question I want you to ponder is, what is my life's theme? What is my Torah portion? I believe each and every one of you has a Torah portion that God has designed for your life. And as we spend the next 50 or so weeks going through the scriptures from Genesis 1 all the way through the end of Deuteronomy, I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and, and show you the Parsha that most resonates with your, with, with your calling. Because each and every one of you has a high calling in Christ Jesus. And Holy Spirit, tonight, I just ask you to lead us into all truth. And I ask you to reveal to everyone that's on the line tonight, reveal to us, Father God, the high calling that you have for our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. See, God does not leave us in life and, and, and from the time of conception that we will wander through life without knowing who we are. God wants you to know who you are in Christ Jesus. 
And from the very start, from, from conception to, the, to your very last breath, God is doing a work inside of you. Amen? Life does not begin at nine months. Life does not begin at month three. Life begins at conception. conception. And every life is precious to God. Amen? So let's get started. That was just the introduction. And your mission tonight, if you choose to accept it, is to go to yourself. My goal tonight is not just to teach you, even though I will teach you, and ultimately the Holy Spirit is our teacher. My goal tonight and my prayer tonight is that you will go to yourself and you will go for yourself. And before I continue here, I want you to think about, for those of you that have, you know, that have raised children, uh, for those of you that are teachers that, are, uh, that, that have, you know, that have taught stu students in the classroom, and those of you that have raised, helped raise kids, nieces, nephews, grandchildren, and so on, you know, sometimes you, you have to say to the child that they can't have something, they can't do something. And sometimes you'll give them things to do that they don't want to do. And kids not understanding will think that you're trying to punish them. And they, don't, and, and they don't yet understand that you're doing this for their own good. You're doing this for their own benefit. How much more so will God give us tests to, 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 for our own benefit? See, God doesn't test us and, and put tests before us because he wants to punish us. He does them for our own benefit. Amen? And sometimes God will, 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 will send you through the fire. He'll put you through a difficult, a difficult circumstance. He'll put you in very difficult situations. But the reason is that God sees so much potential in you. God sees so much greatness in you. And God will use those tests as a tool to refine you and to perfect you. See, God already knew that Abraham was going to pass each and every test that was set before him. See, and the tests were not for God's benefit. The tests were for Abram's benefits. And, and Abram passed every test that God set before him. See, Abram is known as the patriarch of Hesed. Hesed meaning loving kindness, and more accurately translated as selfless loving kindness. And God is developing our character. God is developing every part of your being through the test that he sets before him. Abraham, Abraham went through 10 in just a very, very difficult, challenging tests. And each test seemed to be more difficult than the previous. And for, for, for those of you that, that think life will get easier after this test, I have news for you, and I say this jokingly, but truthfully as well, is that these tests just get harder and harder and harder. But if I may give you some hope, these tests, God would not give you these tests if, you, if God did not know that you had it in you to pass those tests. And these tests are necessary for you to come into the fullness of the character that God has for you, into the fullness of the anointing that God has for you. See, all the tests that Abraham went through were not only for his benefit, but they were, they were for the benefit of all future generations. That includes all Jews, that includes all Christians, and it includes all the nations of the world that have come through Abraham. Amen? Now, one thing about the Lord, and if I can give this section of my teaching a subtitle, I would call it God Keeps Abram in Suspense. 
And that's exactly how God deals with us. God will keep us all in suspense. And so, you know, through every test that Abram went through, he experienced an ascent, both in his life, in, in character, and his relationship with God. And Abraham never lowered his behavior to the status quo, and he always raised the awareness of God in his generation. You know, one thing you may not know about Abram is 2,000 years from creation of Adam till the time of Adam, I mean, till the time of Abram, from Adam to Abram, for 2,000 years, there was no evangelization. There was no conversion of souls. There was no soul winning that took place. In last week's Parsha, we shared about from Parsha Noah, and we talked about Noah. Noah did not win a single soul. And the only ones that were saved through the flood were eight souls. And that was literally Noah and his entire family. Those are the only ones that were saved. And after the two, this 2,000 year period was completed, then began, began the second 2,000 year period. And in that 2,000 year period, starting with Abram, we see evangelization. And Abram was known for converting the men. Sarah, his wife, was known for converting the women. And so they were both soul winners. And wherever they went, they won people over to the monotheistic faith, belief and trust in one God. And, and Abram and Sarah are considered the first Jews in the Bible. And they brought the awareness of God into the creation. And, and wherever Abram and Sarah, Sarai went, they, they, they brought God's presence with them. And, and there was, a, and there was a, wherever they went, a revival was taking place. And I believe this is what's going to be taking place in these last days, in the days coming up to the rapture. We're going to, we're going to see a mighty move of the Spirit of God upon the earth, and we're going to see a revival take place in the earth and a winning of souls like we've never seen in the history of mankind. And what God did with Abram is he called him out of his comfort zone. Do you think it was easy for him to leave his father's house? Do you think it was easy for him to leave his kindred? Do you think it was easy for him to leave his land in the physical sense? See, Abram at this time was 75 years old. At this time, he should have been drawing from his, reti his retirement accounts. He should, have, he should have been, you know, he should have been settling down. But that's not, he did the exact opposite. He obeyed God at age 75 and left everything behind. See, whenever you leave a place and you move elsewhere, you become poorer because you'll incur expenses by making that move. So everything that God, Abraham did was out of obedience to God and he trusted God. And God did not tell him where he was taking him. God kept him in suspense. And that he had no clue of where God was taking him. He had no clue of what God had in store for him. He had no idea, but he just followed God. He obeyed God through the prophetic word and trusted God that God, that he would lead him in every footstep. And that is what God will do with you and I. God will keep us in suspense. We, and God doesn't tell us exactly what he's doing with us, but all he requires of us is just baby steps of obedience. And little by little, he will reveal his will to us. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. See, God has an expected end planned for you. And what God's plans for you are so incredible. They're so wonderful. And 
If God were to reveal those plans to you right now, it would be more than you could ever bear. But I just want you to know that, that God is in control. Divine providence is in control. And know that God's, God is leading you on this exciting journey. And I want you to know that God's going to keep you in suspense every single step of the way. And in Perky Avot 5.4, it reads, Abraham, our father, was tested with 10 tests, and he passed them all, which shows how great was Abraham, our father's love for God. See, Abraham, with each test, Abraham demonstrated how much he loved God. And the reason why we pass tests is because we love him. The reason why we obey God is because we love him. And God tests our love for him. Amen? So I want you to know these tests are not, these tests are for our benefit. These tests are to refine us. And God gives us these tests because he loves us. Amen? And if I can read this, if I can say this another way, God loved Abraham so much that he gave him 10 tests. Amen? And I'm telling you, God is testing each and every one of you. And I want to encourage you to remain faithful to your call because the, the, these tests are, are, are worth it. These tests are, are, for, are for your benefit. They're for the benefit of your children and, and for all your future descendants. Now, I want to talk to you for a moment about the next concept. We already talked about suspense. Now I want to talk to you about descent and ascent. How many of you have ever been to Magic Mountain or Knott's Berry Farm or, or any, any park that has roller coasters? And, and as you look at, as you ride a roller coaster, you find it's going to be like, it's going to be a series of ascents and descents. And you find the ascents are very, very slow and the descents are very quick, right? And, and it's a series of ascents and, de and descents. That is how our journey in, with God is. You know, it's, it's, you're going to have a series of ascents, but before every ascent, you're going to have a descent. And the, the, these, this is, a journey that God takes us upon. And before anything great happens, you know, God may give you a prophetic word and you're going to be on a high. But then right after you receive that prophetic word, you're going to have, you're going to experience a descent through the testing, through the fiery trials that you go through, and that's your descent. But then right after that descent, God's going to catapult you even to a higher level, to a higher height. And that is how our journey is. Because in the end, our, our, we're going to be at a much higher spiritual state than when we started. So I want you to, 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 to stay humble. Don't become proud when, when things start going your way. Don't start saying that you arrived when you stop moving into the promises of God. But stay humble. Stay grounded. Because I'm telling you, it, after every high, there is going to be a descent. And there is going to be testing. But, right, but that, that testing is not going to last very long. Then God's going to catapult you to another, to, another, to another realm in his glory. And I'm going to read Genesis 12, 1, 2, and 3 once again. Because God promises Abram greatness. And this, this portion of scripture I would call his first ascent. And the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your land and from your birthplace and from your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will aggrandize your name. And you shall be a blessing. 
and I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed. See, I want you to pay really close attention to verse 3, where it says, I will bless those who bless you. And I believe one of the reasons why America has been so blessed is because America has blessed Israel. And America has established um, the, the embassy in Jerusalem as a recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. And every time a nation blesses Israel, that nation is blessed. This is a, this is a blessing that has been passed down from Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. Amen? And then what, what God tells, even with the, with the descent, when Abraham leaves, we see a descent. Because when, when he leaves, it's like, imagine leaving everything behind. He's 75 years old. And you can imagine all the wealth that he's accumulated. He's established. Um, his, he's established in his business. Everything is going well. And he leaves all that behind, and he has to start all over again. So he's going through a descent, but he's doing it out of obedience to God. But after, after the descent will come an, an, an ascent. Ascent. And this week's Parsha is about going from a low level to a high level. Amen? That means in every area of our lives, we should develop and refine our character. You know, I want you to think about kids. When, sometimes, especially when kids are very small, and you deny them certain things. You know, you don't, you don't, you, you deny them toys, you, you deny them things. Sometimes kids will throw a temper tantrum. And it's a little cute when a, when a kid throws a temper tantrum, but it's not so cute when a grown up throws a temper tantrum. And it, and so even our character, our, emo, our emotional behavior needs to be refined. And when we go through difficult times, we should, allow, we should allow our character traits to shine during those times. Like, how do you respond if an employer screams at you? How do you respond if somebody does something to you that, that, that doesn't settle well with your, with your spirit? You know, initially you may get angry, but we must learn, we must allow the Holy Spirit through his holy word, through his Torah to refine us. And, and even refine our speech and, re and refine our emotions that we respond in a controlled manner, that we respond in a loving manner. Amen? Because in every area of life, we want to we ascend to higher levels, that our character is refined. Even the way that we eat is refined. I mean, just everything about our being is refined. And especially when you're going through very difficult times, during these COVID-19 times where you are surrounded by family members every single day, all day long, and that sometimes family members may try your patience. But these are times where you can allow God to refine you and, and cause you to respond in a way that's pleasing to Him. There may be somebody in your household that is being challenged in their health. And how do you respond to that? Do you become more loving? Do you, be, do you become more supportive? Or do you become bitter? See, we need to allow God to refine every single aspect of our midot, of our character. Everything. See, as, as believers, we often limit God to only certain aspects of life. And we only, we, we only think we have to be Christian on Sundays for one hour. 
during a church service. You know what? We need to live our faith. We need to live our calling and that we need to be the salt of the earth. Amen. And really be Christ representatives to everyone that we meet and in, in every single situation because our character is not tested when everything is going well. Our character is being tested when you're going through a very difficult time. Amen. And so in verse 7 of chapter 12, I'm going to call this Abram's ascent. And here we see, and the Lord appeared to Abram, and he said, To your seed I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Can you imagine God appearing to you? And you know what? God does this all the time. But how, how often do we not give God permission to appear to us? And as we go into our prayer closets, as we go into his word, we open up the door for God to appear to us, to allow God to reveal himself to us. You know, he may not come to you with, with a physical appearance that you can see with the eyes. And you may not hear an audible voice, but you can hear him in your spirit and you can commune with him in your secret place. And let's look at verse eight. And it's in verse eight, it says, and he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent. Bethel was to the west and Ai was to the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and he called in the name of the Lord. Now, when we read these verses, you know, we don't really pay much attention to these verses. And we just see Abraham going on a journey, but we don't really see that what God is really doing here because if, if these events are recorded in scripture, then these events are relevant to our walk with God today because there is not a single meaningless detail in God's word. Amen? So when, when he built that altar, the place where he built that altar was a place known as Mount Moriah. And Mount Moriah became Abram's headquarters. This was the place from where he, he sought God. And this is the place where he, from where he taught God's word. This, this site be, became the future temple in Jerusalem. This is where the Temple Mount was built. And this is also the place where Abraham was to sacrifice his son Isaac in, in, in the Akita, which we'll talk about in the upcoming weeks. This site was a, the place where, the, where both the first temple and the second temple were built. And this is also the, the area in which Christ Jesus was crucified. And this was the very headquarters of Abraham. And some of the rabbinic commentaries teach us that from this very area is, is, is where, Adam, where God created Adam. Adam took this, God took the soil from this place and used that to, to make the body of Adam. So this place is a very holy place and it's a very holy place to this very day. And so this was Abraham's headquarters and this is from where Abraham began his, uh, performed his ministry because his one goal in life was to proclaim the name of God, to glorify the name of God. And wherever he went and wherever he built wells, where, where, wherever he dug wells, wherever he built altars, what he was doing, he was lifting up the sanctity of that land. And he was, he was, he was lifting up the name of God and bringing the awareness of God into every place that he went. And the question I have for all of you is, in everything that you do, are you, are you raising up the Kedusha? 
Are you raising up the holiness? Are you sanctifying God's name in every place that you go? When you get in the car, when you wake up, when you go about your uh, go about getting things ready for the day, when you uh, go about doing your work, are you sanctifying the name of God? Because Abraham had one goal in life, and that was to proclaim the name of God. And and this reminds me of Jesus in John chapter six, verse fifty nine. It reads. These things said he in the synagogue as he, as he taught in, in, in Capernaum. Capernaum was, an air, was in the Galilee, and it was the place, and it was a town from which Jesus, it was Jesus' headquarters. And as you read through the Gospels from Matthew through John, you will see many, many references to Capernaum, because Capernaum was Jesus' headquarters when he was in the Galilee. And God, and, and God has, you know, God has positioned you at your headquarters. God has placed you in a place to where you can proclaim His name. And I want you to allow God to really establish you, to establish you in His Word, to establish you in His ministry, to give you permit, to give you positions or prominence, so that you can glorify God in a greater way. Amen. Now, remember, I said that every ascent is followed by a descent. And a descent is followed by an ascent, similar to a roller coaster. Well, right after this glorious experience, and God and, and Abraham had, had obeyed God in everything, guess what happens? Look at Genesis 12, verse 10 with me. And there was a famine in the land. Now, I want you to imagine this. Imagine that, you, that Abraham has obeyed God in everything. What would you do in this situation where you obey God in everything? God tells you to leave, God tells you to leave Orange County, LA County, India, wherever you are, and you go to the place where God tells you to go, and right afterward you enter into a into a season of famine. And you can't provide for your family, you can't provide for all for, for all those that you're responsible for. What is the natural thing to do? You know, many of us may blame God, God, this is your fault. I obeyed what you told me to do, and now I'm suffering as a result. See, Abraham did not do that. Abraham submitted to God's will in everything. And, it, and I'm telling you, it's not easy for our flesh to accept trials. It's not easy for us to accept these types of testing. But Abraham submitted to God in everything, amen, in the good and in the bad, in sickness and in health. The very same vows we make uh, with our spouse, you know, a man, a man and a woman in, in, during the marriage ceremony, is really, a, a, it's a reflection of our commitment to God. In sickness and in health, I will submit to you. I'll obey you. I'll be faithful to you. And because we accept the bad times as well as the good times as part of God's will for our lives, because these low points, these testing periods, are opportunities to grow and to ascend and to come into promotion. Because promotion will not come without testing. And there was a famine in the land, and Abram descended to Egypt to sojourn there because the famine was severe in the land. See, this test was not a little test. This testing was a testing, as uh, Sister Robin, Reverend Robin says, testing beyond belief. This was a, a huge test that God set before him, but he obeyed God through this test. Now, I'm not going to talk about what took place in this period of time 
um, of what took place as they come into Egypt. But I want to focus on what happened after the test. So I just shared with you the, big, the, the start of the descent. And the test was not over with the famine. The test was, became even more grueling when his wife was, con, was kidnapped by Pharaoh in Egypt. But after all these things, he, he came out of Egypt with tremendous wealth. And that was Abraham's next ascent. Abram amasses wealth. Let's look at Genesis chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. And Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that was his. And Lot was with him to the south. And Abram was very heavy with cattle, with silver, with gold. And he went on his journeys from the south and until Bethel, until the place where his tent had been previously between Bethel and between Am, to the place of the altar that he had first made. And Abram called there in the name of the Lord. And we see these scriptures here that Abram had amassed a, a vast amount of wealth. And then it goes on to describe the gold and the silver and the livestock and the cattle. But the wealth I want you to focus on is not just the material wealth, because the wealth that he acquired was, was, even, was in terms of his character and his spirituality. And look at how he, he, was not, he was not sullied with sin and with greed by amassing that much wealth. Because what did he do after he, he came out of Egypt? He ascended back to the Holy Land between Bethel and Ai, back to the altar that he had built, and he worshiped and he glorified God, and he thanked God for all that God had done for him. And, he, and, and even more so, Abraham was not influenced by the immorality and the wickedness and the sensuality and the sin that was in Egypt. And his exile into Egypt was not a moral downfall. On the contrary, Abraham triumphed over this test. And sometimes God may lead you into a place that may not be the most moral place to be. But God may allow that because he knows that you're ready for that test. And, and when you're faced with that temptation, you will resist the devil and the devil will flee and you will not, you will not succumb to those sinful fleshly desires. You know, it reminds me of Joseph in Potiphar's house. And the one day he was caught alone in the house with Potiphar. And, and Potiphar tried to seduce him into having relations with, with him. And, and, and what did Joseph do? He, 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 fl he flew. He literally flew out of the house because he would not allow himself to, he would not allow himself to engage in immoral behavior. And likewise, Abraham was not affected. He was not influenced by the immorality in Egypt, but he came, he came out at, 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 a, at a higher spiritual plateau. Emotionally, physically, spiritually, he came out better than before. And he did not, he did not experience a moral downfall. And the wealth that he had amassed during his three-month sojourn in Egypt did not make him immoral. It did not make him greedy, and it did not diminish his dedication to God. In fact, he used his wealth in, in, to serve God, to honor God, to glorify God. He did not become greedy. He did not become stingy, but he remained faithful in, in, in his dedication and obedience to God. And wherever he went, he proclaimed the power of God. 
the creator of heaven and earth. And he, and he called everyone, uh, uh, every soul that he won to serve him and, and the way he served him. Now, do you think that Abraham had an easy life? Do you think that people did not judge him for his obedience and his dedication to God? According to the, the rabbis, many did not believe if Abraham was even telling the truth. And this is what they used to say to him. Why does this God let his faithful servant wander about endlessly? Why doesn't he reward him with happiness, claim with rest? And aren't there those around you that will challenge you from time to time? Why do you serve God the way that you do? Because it seems like all you do is go from one test to another test. You go from one difficulty to another difficulty. Why do you keep serving God? And this is a question in the natural. It's a very difficult question to answer. You know, but really the reason why you do this is because you love God. The reason why you submit to God in these tests is because you love him. Amen? That's the best reason you can give to anybody is because you love him. And you're motivated by God's love. You're motivated because you love him. See, with every promise that God gave to Abraham, it, 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 with every test, was followed by a promise, by a blessing. But in the very last test, which I call the second lekleha, the second going to yourself, it, there was no promise of greatness. See, for the first several tests, God's telling him, I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you, and your seed shall be like the stars in the heavens. And God's going to bless you exceedingly. And the very last test that God gives to Abram, to Abraham at the time, God tells Abraham to sacrifice his only son, whom you love. And, and there's no promise for obeying that test. That's the only time where you see God giving a test without a promise of reward. You know what? At this, at this point, Abraham was not in it for the reward. In fact, Abraham was never in it for the reward. Abraham was in it because he loved God above all else. And that's what God is doing with each and every one of you is these tests are for your benefit and these tests are to perfect the love that you have for God. That God's love will be perfected in you. And there are questions you will not be able to answer. They may be relatives, friends, family. They don't understand your commitment to God. They may not understand why you're watching this Facebook live broadcast tonight. They may not understand why you serve God the way you do. And, and, the, and really the only answer I, I, I can give is because I love him. And it's the love of God that moves me. It's the love of God that compels me to do his will. Amen? Because you, know, you get to a point where you're not in it for the reward. You're not in it for the, for the accolades. You're not in it because of the wealth. You're not in it for any other reason than your love for God. And the love of God propels you, moves you into obedience. Amen? And that is, that is the greatest form of service where you're willing to lay your lives down for one another just because of the love of God. Amen? Now, let's, we see how God, we see the example of Abraham. But now I want to show you an example of somebody's character that you do not want to follow. And I want to subtitle this section, Lot's Lot. L-O-T apostrophe S space L-O-T. And I want to speak to you about Lot's lot in life. 
Now, before we read this, I want, I want to share with you a little bit about Lot. Lot was the nephew of Abram. He was also the brother of Sarai. And after Abram's brother had died, the father of Lot, Haran, Haran had died, Lot adopted Lot and, 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 and took him as his own son. And God had promised Abraham that he would become the father of many nations, that his seed would be great in the earth. But there was one, there was one little minor challenge here. Abram's wife, Sarai, was barren. She could not conceive children. And it wasn't until she was 90 years old that she gave birth to Isaac. And, and, that, that, and God opened her womb much later in life. So they, when, even when they left, they, they left their homeland in Genesis 12.1, she was barren. And so Abraham loved Lot, and Lot probably thought that God was going to establish his seed through Lot. And I, want, and, I, 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 and I want you to just imagine how much love Abram had for Lot. He, he treated him like his own son. I mean, he, was a, he, he, he loved him dearly. And I truly believe that Abram wanted to give all of his wealth, all of, and, and even the passing on of the Abrahamic covenant onto his nephew Lot. And now, and now imagine this, how Abram must have felt when Lot did not walk in, in, in his ways, that, Ab that Lot was not a man of God, that Abraham was not unsullied by sin, but Lot was a man of the world. And I just want you to imagine how greed Abram was. And this is another test of Abram. Let's look at Genesis 13, verse 7. And there was a quarrel between the herdsmen of Abram's cattle and between the herdsmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanites and the Perizzites were then dwelling in the land. See, I want you to really pay attention to this verse and really look, really look at this. Because the first part of the verse interprets the second part. The second part, then the third part, it's all connected. So there was a quarrel between the herdsmen of Abram's cattle and between the herdsmen of Lot's cattle. And there's something about this quarrel that is related to those who dwelt in the land. In the land at this time, there were Canaanites and Perizzites dwelling in the land. And what took place here was, as Abraham's herdsmen muzzled the mouths of all their animals. And the reason is, Abraham did not want his cattle or any of the animals grazing in the fields that belong to the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And Abraham would not receive any of that, uh, any of the grazing without paying for it. See, Abraham was a righteous man and, and he, handled all of, he handled his finances in the most righteous way. And he would not take that which, not, that which, which did not belong to him. And he realized that he, at this time, he, he did not own the land of Israel. At this time, the land that he was in, the Holy Land, be, belonged to the Canaanites and the Perizzites. So he would not allow his animals and had instructed his herdsmen not to permit the animals to, to graze upon land that did not belong to, 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 to them. 
And then there was a quarrel between Abram's herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen. Do you know what that quarrel was about? It was, what, it was in the way that they handled the land. See, Lot's herdsmen, they, they, they freely allowed their animals to graze upon the land of the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And this is why there was such a contention, such a quarrel between Abram's lots, uh, between Abram's cattle, between Abram's herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen. And Lot argued that because this land is given to my uncle Abram and to, and to his seed, and I'm going to be his heir, they can freely partake of, 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 of the fields of, of, of the land. But Abram had a different mentality and he knew the land did not belong to him and he would not, he would not allow his, his cattle to partake of, of that land. And the, the contention became so strong that Abram, Abram had to make a decision. Abram was tested in separating from his nephew Lot. Now I want you to imagine how difficult this was for Abram. First of all, he's going to lose the very heir who, who would become, you know, that would carry on the, the faith of monotheism, that would carry on Judaism. Secondly, he's going to, I mean, he has to tell Lot that they can no longer dwell together. And, what, and another thing that happened with Lot was Lot came out of Egypt changed. He had even given into immorality. And when, when he left Chaldea with Abram and the entire family, he chose to follow Abram. But when he came out of Egypt, he returned back to his polytheistic ways. And he followed the pagan idols of Egypt. And he became rich because of, a, because of his association with Abram. But now he wanted to be on his own. And now he was sullied with the sins of Egypt. He was no longer walking in the ways of his uncle Abram, but he'd given into the demoralizing ways. And he had given into idolatry. In addition, the wealth that he had, that he had obtained had overtaken him. And he, was, and, he was, and he became, and his greed and his true colors began to show. And Abraham could no longer be associated with, with someone that had, that, that had, so far that was so far gone and let, let's look at verse 8 genesis 13 verse 8 and we're going to read from verse 8 through 13 and in verse 8 it says and abram said to lot please let there be no quarrel between me and you and between your herdsmen and between between my herdsmen and between your herdsmen for we are kinsmen is not all the land before you Please part from me. If you go left, I will go right. If you go right, I will go left. And Lot raised his eyes. Can you say that with me? Lot raised his eyes. Where did Lot raise his eyes to? Lot raised his eyes to, to his lust. And, and what did he do? He saw the entire plain of Jordan, that it was entirely watered, like the land of Egypt. See, the place he was looking to was like the land of Egypt. The place he was looking to was greedy and stingy and idolatrous and lustful like the land of Egypt. And Lot chose for himself the entire plain of the Jordan 
and Lot traveled from the east, and they parted from one another. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and he pitched his tents until Sodom. And the people of Sodom were very evil and sinful against the Lord. See, what, Abram, what Lot, Lot had given into his lust, and Lot could not handle the wealth that God had given him. And all of Lot's true colors came out. We learned from Lot that a true conversion had not taken place. And what was Lot's end? He, he, he had children through, through incestuous relationships with his two daughters. But you know what? Even through that, we do, we do, we do see light at the end of the tunnel. And, and, and because through his bloodline comes Ruth, who became the great-grandmother of, of King David. But we're not going to focus on that part tonight. But I, I do want you to see the evil spiraling descent of Lot. Lot could not handle the wealth. Lot could not handle Egypt. And, and, and Lot just gave into his simple desires. The reason why his eyes looked up into the Jordan, because he was looking towards Sodom, which was really one of the most wicked and evil places upon the earth. It was a place that was extremely selfish. It was a place of tremendous greed. It was a place in which it was it was illegal and it was it was a it was a criminal offense to do good for anybody else. It was a, it was considered uh, a crime to 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 feed the poor, and that is what that is what Lot was drawn to. He went he turned 180 degrees around, completely away from the ways of his uncle Abram. And 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 move to Sodom. And now we see Abram separates from Lot. See, Abram had just experienced a descent. It wasn't easy for Abram to separate from Lot. It was very difficult. But right after the descent, and right after he passed the test, Abram experiences a tremendous ascent. Now, you can imagine Abram's brokenness after separation from his beloved nephew because he saw Lot as his only potential heir. Now, look what God says to Abram. And whenever we experience a low, we can always expect God to appear to us and God will comfort us and God will speak to us. That's why Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit. He says, I go to the Father, but I do not leave you comfortless. Tarry ye in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from upon high. And in Genesis 13, 14, it says, And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, Please raise your eyes and see from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. And see, what God is calling you to do is not be caught up into the negativity of your circumstances to look at all the things that are going wrong, to look at all the wickedness around you, but lift up your eyes and see things the way God sees them, the way God sees things, to raise your perception of reality, to heighten your awareness of what God is doing, and to see the land in perspective. Because all the land that Abram has looked at and all the wickedness that he saw around him, that was only temporary. Because God, through Abraham, God was raising the Kedusha. God was raising the holiness in the land. And the Kedusha was being raised to such a level that in the future, 
both temples would be built in Jerusalem. He is raising the Kedusha so high that even Christ Jesus the Messiah would be crucified in that land and rose from the dead in, the, in that land and ascend into heaven in that very land, from that very land. And God, God is calling all of us to raise our perspective. Verse 15 says, For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your seed to eternity. And so when after Abram's nephew Lot leaves, God renews his promises that were previously made in Genesis chapter 12. And Abram and Sarai so wanted a son. They so longed for a son. And they had considered their nephew to be uh, Abraham's nephew, to, 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 to be the, the, the probable heir of the covenant. And so you can imagine the low they, they were experiencing, but then God tells them to look up. And through every trial, I encourage you to look up. Look to God from whom your salvation comes, because God is going to take you higher and higher and higher. And Abram, who's considered the first Jew, is already trained to place himself entirely in his entirety into God's hands and to have complete confidence in God. In Matthew 19, 26, Jesus says, But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And I want to invite you to, to move forward into the promises of God to move forward for your benefit, to move to every step that you take is for your benefit and you're going to yourself and, you, and you're becoming more and more into God's image. And in Genesis 22, verse one, which is the 10th the and final test of, of Abram. And this test is not part of Parsha Leklecha, it's actually another Parsha. But in this Parsha, it, what it says, what God says to Abram, take your son Isaac. It's saying, and go forth. In Hebrew, it's the, the same words that we see in Genesis 12, 1, lech lecha, which means go to yourself. And the reason why you're doing this, the reason why you're, obey, you're obeying me is that you're going for yourself. You are going for your benefit. In the first lecha, in the first lech lecha God promises Abram descendants. In the second lech lecha, God promises Abraham nothing. Look at the way, that this, and this is the same way that God will deal with us. When we initially start walking with God, we, we, start, we start serving him like kids. We do it because we're expecting reward. We do it because we're expecting a blessing. We do it because we were, if you're single, because we were believing God to bring us a spouse. We serve him because we're believing God to bring us a ministry. We do this because we're, we're expecting to be blessed with, with different things. But as you mature with God, you don't do things because you're expecting reward. You do it, but you, you do it just because you love Him. And that is the highest form of love when you do things just because you love Him. And the same thing applies to marriage too. But those of you that are married or those of you that are planning uh, 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 to get married is in your marriage, initially you, you're, you're, you're moved because you're looking to have your own needs met. But when love matures in a marriage, you no longer do things because, you're, because of what you think you're going to get out of it. You do it because love motivates you. And love is sacrifice. And love does cost something. And love does hurt. But we do it because we love. Amen? And that's our only motivation is that we love, that we love our spouse. 
the way men love their wives, the way wives love their husbands. It, it's a selfless form of love. And that is what, when we fully mature in the things of God, we do it because we love him. Amen? I'm going to close here in just, in, in just a second. And I'm, I'm going to turn to the book of John. And I believe it's in John. Let's go to John. Chapter 21, I believe. And Jesus asked John in verse 16. I should start at verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. Verse 16, he said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love you. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto you, when you wast young, thou girdest thyself, and you walked wherever you wanted. But when you shall be old, you shall stretch forth your hands, another shall gird you, and carry you where you don't want to go. And Jesus was prophesying to Peter the type of death in which he was going to glorify God. The way he was going to glorify Jesus was by being crucified on a cross upside down. And what moved him to be crucified, what, what moved him was nothing more than the love that he had for Christ. And when your love matures for Christ, there's not, there is not anything that you will not do for him. You will not hold anything back from him. You know, there are more Christians being persecuted and martyred for their faith in Christ Jesus today than, than, than the first few centuries of Christianity combined. And in America, persecution has, has, has already hit the United States. Persecution has, has already hit the church. And there are many in the church, even in leadership, that have compromised godly values, that have compromised biblical values. But the test for each and every one of us is, will you remain faithful until the very end? That are you in, are you in this race only for the reward, or are you in it because you love it? And the, the main takeaway for tonight's teaching is that we're in it because we love him. And, and we, we are in Leklecha. We are going for ourselves. We are going to ourselves because we love him. And every step that we take is for, is for the benefit of somebody else. Amen? Initially, we do it for me, but, but when our love matures, we're in it because we love him above all else.